This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the W Debate. Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. You <laughs> jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screen or draw? Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I forgot. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> Our apologies for Kirk Street and Atlanta's time will get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin A, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone with 11 men on the field on a goal line stand in the last seconds of the game <laughs> on a, I don't know, version of tonight's show. Uh, Matt Bruning, Austin Nace. Uh, we're going to talk uh, just our thoughts on the first four weeks of the season. Freshmen that we're worried about, players that we should be buying before they blow up here over the next couple of weeks, and who needs to prove themselves here in week five. But I want to start, Matt, yeah. actually, um, this is actually kind of a Felix move, but I think, you know, this isn't a a, uh, a pat on the back exercise because we're going to talk about some players that I think we were probably wrong on as we enter the season. I want to revisit some off-season takes that the group had. Okay. Um, these aren't necessarily representative of everybody. Don't nobody take uh, take what we're saying here out of context. I don't want anyone coming after us uh, saying uh, th- this, this was not our opinion. Um, I, I want to talk about four players here, Matt. I want to start with LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors, mm-hmm. who has been, um, for fantasy purposes, a wide receiver one. I don't think he's the top guy, but he's pretty darn close right now. Um, 3.74 yards per route run, an eight out of almost 13 average depth of target. So he's catching every target he gets, 13 yeah. yards at least on average downfield. That's pretty dang good there. Look at his stats. He's got uh, three games of double-digit targets. He's got a 239-yard performance, 130-yard performance, five touchdowns on the year. All this, Matt, and then we had Matt Waldman on. 
the collective mm-hmm. podcast feed this week. For anybody who doesn't know, for our, our NIL All 22 members, we have a show, or a podcast feed just for them, and Matt Waldman does a weekly show. And he talked about Malik Neighbors this week. He really likes Malik Neighbors. And when Matt Waldman speaks, I listen. So, Matt, <laughs> were we a little too low on Malik Neighbors? Uh, maybe. I... I... We most of us had him in the top five of this class, did we not? I think I know Mike and I believe Mike and Corey were definitely higher than most of us were. I still think I had him as the wide receiver three. I just don't think he's in the class of Marvin Harrison and Mecca. That's just my opinion. I still think he's a very good wide receiver. I think is it you who's kind of compared him to to Drake London a little bit? Like I could see him being that going into the NFL. Like I. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. They haven't played anybody good. And I don't know that I get it. He's got, was it, 13 catches against Mississippi State for 200 and something yards? 239 yards and two touchdowns? I mean, look. that 13 for 13. Yeah, that it was a beautiful, that, that's game. pretty crazy. That is good. It's He's doing what you expect of him, but I don't know that he's done anything. I I guess I want to see it against better competition. Mississippi State and Arkansas is nothing to me. Let's see him do it against Downs in that Alabama secondary. Let's see him do it. I don't do they they do play Georgia. See him do it against Georgia and see him actually do it against a top competition. I will say I am very impressed with the way he has been playing, especially in the last two games with Jaden Daniels at quarterback, because I did think that was going to hold him back some. But yes, as a collective, we were probably too low on him. I think he's probably now solidified as the wide receiver three in this class pretty easily. And I wouldn't be surprised if some people put him in that tier with Mecca. I still think they should be separated, but I I can see the argument for him being there in tier two. You want to hear something crazy, Matt? Go ahead. He was my wide receiver four in the class coming in this year behind Marvin Harrison Jr., behind Emeka Buka, and behind Xavier Worthy. If you put That's him as wide receiver one, you're doing the rest of the show by yourself. No, 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 no. Okay, no. okay. He's actually dropped uh-huh. in the class okay. for me, even with this performance so far. Malik Neighbors has dropped. I've dropped him behind Roma Dunze. Well, Romo Dunze should be wide receiver one. We all know Obviously. everybody should be behind he's him. Faster than Marvin Harrison Jr. He's better hands. Sexier than Jake Gyllenhaal. He's I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> all sorts of the great attributes there. I've dropped him behind Keon Coleman. Interesting. Okay. I have him in a group with Troy Franklin, who we're going to talk about here in a second, and Jalen McMillan. And I think the big problem for neighbors that I still have is I still don't know that there's a a skill to hang your hat on here that he's going to be rely to be able to rely on instantly in the NFL. And I felt a little vindicated because when I listened to the Matt Waldman episode, he kind of said the same thing. He just thinks his all-around skill set is is solid enough where that probably doesn't matter. And he gotcha. compared him a little bit without giving away too much of the information that we have over there for our members. He compared him in bu- the same bucket as Brandon Ayuk, which I do think would be best case scenario for him. I could see yeah. him developing eventually into that kind of player after a couple of seasons. But when I look at some of the other guys in this class, Marvin Harrison Jr., I mean, I don't think we need to argue about what his kind of yeah. you know special skill is. 
Emeka Buka, I don't think so either. I think kind of yak specialist, very versatile, yeah. um, can kind of do a little bit of everything for you. And then I look at some of the other guys, Xavier Worthy, you know, say whatever you want about his hands, but elite, elite speed. He's not going 13 for 13 in any game. Probably not. I think maybe if you handed the ball off to him, maybe he could go. Nah, he'd still drop two of them somewhere. Adunze, I think, you know, at worst, he's a jump ball kind of guy in the NFL in the red zone. You know, situationally, I think you can get him out there. And kind of the same for uh, Coleman. Mm -hmm. Neighbors, to me, I I still just think we're kind of lacking that that high-end big skill. But I, I can't argue with how good he's been this season. Yeah um overall i mean i think the big test that he had was florida state and he went six for 67 uh no touchdowns 50 percent uh of his targets uh he he, he caught so i mean I, I i kind of agree with you i do want to see what he does against some better teams here and i don't think he's played worse than i expected but he had yeah i've actually I've, I've jumped him twice this year um for and i don't think that's like a, a crazy out there take uh, i i don't know i mean I think if Mike Valerie was watching the show, he'd be jumping you in the comments right now. So probably. Well, I hopped on his show yesterday and also poop talked Malik neighbors. So I gave him, you know, double middle fingers here. I'm sure uh, he's gonna be thrilled when he comes back. You know, you know, don't go on vacation if you can't handle the uh the substitutes. So um yeah, yeah. Um let's talk about Troy Franklin. I mentioned we were gonna yeah. uh talk to him as well, or talk about him as well. Troy Franklin this season. Um uh, 35 total targets, 25 receptions, 418 yards, five touchdowns. He's averaging almost 17 yards per reception, 3.67 yards per route run. That's uh, what uh, the the numbers say is a great uh, uh, number there. dot again, of 12. So he's catching the ball 12 yards downfield. Talking weighted dominator rating, 30, almost 33%. Uh, receiving yards per team pass attempt, 2.77. That's a very strong number as well. Uh, been explosive if you're just watching the games, if you uh, don't subscribe to some of the numbers. Um, I think we, as a group, have also been pretty low on Troy Franklin. Matt, um, are we starting to get pretty interested here in uh, the Oregon kind of skinny speedster guy? <laughs> Yeah, because I think he's, I mean, look, he's, he's gonna, I think you could put him and Xavier Worthy kind of in the same bucket. I feel like Troy Franklin catches the ball better than Xavier Worthy. I don't know, I've watched more of Xavier Worthy's games, so maybe I'm more critical of his drops. I, I mean, Troy Franklin's in here with 77, 66, 57, and 80, so not bad. Xavier Worthy doesn't get credited for all his drops either by PFF. I don't know how much he's paying those guys, but uh, he usually gets credited with like one a game when he's got three or four. I think that Franklin will be, I don't know that I would say Hollywood Brown, but that's kind of the way I see his role going into the NFL. Like if we're talking about him going in there, I do think that he's really good, obviously after the catch with his, his yak as well. But I just don't know that that's going to succeed as well in the NFL. I mean, he's got the height at six. What is he? Six three? Is that correct? Six three? But one seventy eight. Like he's I just actually six three. No, I think he's probably six one. Just by the way he looks on the field. But he's listed at six three. So you know, I I'll I'll give him six two, which is still height wise fairly good. But the one seventy eight worries me a little bit. I love his speed. Like I think that's the by far the best part of his game. But I think he's going to get pegged into a certain kind of role in the NFL. And if he's only used as a downfield threat, 
you know, the the argument Felix always uses for like JSN and those quote unquote just slot wide receivers. Like if he's pegged into one one specific skill set in the NFL, he's got to be in the right offense. Like just going back to the neighbors thing a minute ago, you said, you know, Waldman said like his upside could be Brandon Ayuk. I mean, to be honest, that's a wide receiver too for fantasy if he was in an mm-hmm. offense that actually used him the right way. Cause we've seen when when Shanahan uses Ayuk, he's actually really good. He just, unfortunately, he's got Debo Samuel and George Kittle on that offense and net Brock Purdy throwing him the ball. So if Franklin ends up in the right offense, I think he's going to be an intriguing asset, but I don't know that he's a guy that I'd like bet on starting every single week. I just feel like those Marquise Hollywood Browns and even like, like Deshaun Jackson and his heyday, like those guys are the outliers. We see so many of these speedsters come into the NFL and they hit for you one week and then don't do it again to like three or four weeks later. Those are the only two that I can think of off the top of my head. I don't know that I put Tyler Lockett necessarily in that category. He's a, one of the guys that seems to hit more often than not, but I don't know that they necessarily use him as a downfield threat in Seattle. I don't honestly watch a lot of Seattle Seahawks games, but I like him. I just, I don't know what his NFL upside is, honestly. Yeah, I've actually come around a little more on Franklin and it hasn't been a lot of upward movement for him just because I think overall, like I think a lot of the the wide receivers we thought would be pretty good this year have been pretty good. Uh, You know, maybe one or two freshmen haven't uh, really gotten it going and and, you you can talk to Vontez Walker and and maybe one or two others. But I think overall it's been hard to jump him above too many guys, but he's been really good for them this year. And I think the big thing that he benefited from a lot in 2022 was a a pretty big amount of his production was off of broken plays because him and Bo Nix kind of have that mind meld kind of like Kelsey and and Mahomes do. They showed that play from this weekend where uh, Kelsey was supposed to run a corner out and he was just like, nah, I don't want to run that. And Mahomes was like, yeah, I knew he wasn't going to run that. Like just, it it seems like Nixon and Franklin kind of have that going on. But this year, I think he's looked a lot better just like, you know, three, five step drop being where he needs to be on time open and Nick's getting him the ball. So I think that's really, really encouraging. I think the the really interesting thing for him is like he the way he moves and stuff looks like he should be a slot guy, but he's played 85 ish percent uh, out wide this season. And I think he can probably do it in the NFL. I don't think he's an X. You know, I think you got to play him off the line of scrimmage a little bit. I'm not sure uh, if I would necessarily trust him, trust him up on the line and press coverage often. Yeah. Um, maybe he's shifty enough to, to you know, make that a moot point. But I, I, I'm kind of interested in him. And again, I haven't really moved him up a ton just because there's not a lot of guys to move down. But I think, you know, I feel a lot better about him in the top uh, 50 picks in the draft. I, I think that's a pretty good range for him. This wide receiver class is shaping up to be really, really good. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I'd agree with that. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes ahead of like, I don't think he go Harrison Mecca, probably Odunze. Who else? I think neighbors see? goes before him too. If the buzz at the moment is any indication, if LSU, especially if they can end up beating Georgia and Alabama, mm-hmm. like I think because of his skill set, I think he's a guy that he's not going first round, but would I be surprised if he's gone by like, you know, as you said, mid second, 50 a pick. No, I would not be. I think because of his skill set, the NFL values you. It's a, it's a, it's a space and pace game, and he's got the pace. So I don't think he's a worse player than um, uh, Zay Flowers. No, 
And Zay Flowers has been a lot better than I thought he was going to be so far this year. So yeah, he's he's been interesting. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Maybe we were a little. Is that is that? Do we do we agree we were probably too low on Troy Franklin? I think so. I don't remember where we had him. I feel like we weren't super low on some of these guys. We just weren't like pumping them up. Then I don't know. I, I don't really remember where I had. I know I had neighbors as my wide receiver. Three. I don't remember where I had Franklin. I, I'm pretty sure I had him top 10 somewhere, but probably deserves to be higher than where I had him. Yeah, a couple of spots at the top of the rankings really makes a difference. You know, when we were talking about the 45th and the 49th guy, you know, whatever, that's all kind of one tier, but you know, the, if you have a guy fourth and somebody else has him eighth, you know, that's, that's a pretty big difference right there. Uh, let's pivot to a quarterback here that I think we were cautiously optimistic on going into the off season. That's Kate Klubnick over at Clemson. Um, where, where do I start here on Kate Klubnick this year? So I think we can all acknowledge as we have in the past that the offensive line there still probably isn't doing their quarterback a bunch of favors but this year uh klubnik has an average depth of target of six that's amongst the worst in the country he has a a big time throw uh rate which is a little bit of a flawed stat but i think in general if you're looking at the full list for context he is tied for 129th in the country in big time throw percentage with Nate Johnson, Zeon Chris, and Keegan Shoemaker. Sam Houston quarterback. Who. Okay. That's Go Bearcats with a K, as I learned this week. Is, so. He is uh he has a QBR of 46.8 right now. That is 90th in the country. Five quarterbacks above him. Jaden Delara, Cam Fancher, Gunnar Watson, Tanner Mordecai, and Will Rogers. And the five behind him, Jaden Mayava. Logan Smothers, Kyron Drones, Frank Harris, EJ Warner. Yeesh. Um, and Clemson's lost two games. Uh, Matt, I think I'm going to pass this. Uh, there's no one else to pass it to, but I'm going to kick it over to you here, and I'm going to give you some, t- you know, bask in it, buddy. Shocker. <laughs> Honestly, I'm shocked. I, you know, I look, it is nothing against him. I do think he is a. We, we've said it all along. He's a game manager quarterback. It's not meant to be a negative thing. He just doesn't have and, and never had, in my opinion, an NFL trait. And I've said it before on this show and probably other ones. Like we as with the recruiting team, I think we were right on him, but we let outside influences change our mind on him because we weren't able to see certain things live because we were all fairly low on him outside of one person. The rest of us were all fairly low on him, and then we kind of all got talked into it, so we all raised him up. I do think that he has a chance to be better than what he's showing next year, getting a whole year into that Garrett Riley offense, but right now it looks bad, and I, I don't want to put all of it on him. That offensive line looks horrible. They need to try and fix that. The problem is they're not going to be able to get freshmen in to do it, and Dabo refuses to go to the portal. So I don't know if that's going to change anything for him next year. But I don't think the, with the way he's playing, he's going to end up being a first-round pick right now. I, I just think it's not been good. I, I And this is exactly what I expected out of him. Again, they don't have as much as we liked Adam Randall and uh, Antonio Williams, like they don't have this dominant wide receiver for him to get the ball to. 
you know, I know we're about to talk about Will Shipley. We were all kind of down on him all this offseason and all. I don't care. I'll say it. Felix isn't here. I'll be Felix. All these other Debbie people were telling you we're fading him too hard and that Will Shipley, what, why is the hate on Will Shipley? Well, he's showing you now. Why? Like, we tried to tell you guys this was coming. And a lot of this, I think, is probably the offensive line's fault more than anything else. But they just haven't been good. And I don't think he is good. JJ's in the chat. Cade's a fraud. He is. Always has been. I tried to tell you guys. And so was Ty Simpson. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. I'm going I'm to victory lap that as well. Ty Simpson was always a fraud as well. They deserve to be ranked in the 60s. You called me out. You know who you are. And I'm winning now. I may have lost the argument that day, but I'm winning now. They deserve to be ranked in the 60s. I'm pretty sure I dropped both of them down there too, just to be spiteful. I'm actually willing to hand wave um, some of the issues with Kate Klubnik this year because of the offensive line. Like you mentioned, I think it makes life really, really hard. But I also think it really shines a light on Klubnik's biggest issue. And I talked about this a little bit on Back to Debbie this week, where we always questioned his arm strength. We were told when you see him live, it's a little better than it looks on tape because it does not look very good on tape. Yeah. and I think, you know, if he has time on in a perfect scenario, three, five step drop and, you know, no pressure in his face can step into a throw and put it 35, 40 yards downfield accurately. Yeah, he can do that. But I would expect any FBS quality quarterback to be able to do that. Yeah. Where I think his lack of arm strength shows, and it happened a couple of times I saw specifically in the Florida State game, and I'm sure if I went back into some of the other games, um, and I think I think he threw an interception that 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 um, that Charleston Southern game yeah, was the did. same thing. Where if he can't step into a throw, he doesn't have the natural arm strength to kind of change arm slot and still get the ball out, kind of zing it in there to somebody, and. And really, you know, in terms of, you know, a, a 15, 20 yard opposite, opposite side of the field out, I don't think he can make that throw. And those are the kind of throws that I think you look at some of the other quarterbacks that we're talking about, uh, even in his class, Drew Lar, Connor Wegman. I think those guys can make that throw. So I think that's if, and quite frankly, DJ, you could make those throws, but he's not accurate at all. So like, <laughs> If you could kind of mash the two of them together, I think Clemson would really be cooking a quarterback this year, but it's I think it's a different problem than they had before. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna trigger Clemson fans here. I think if they had DJU there, they would be undefeated right now. I, I, I'm just saying, y'all, you guys couldn't wait to get that dude out the door. I'm just saying it's not because of necessarily his play with Oregon State, because I think they lost this last weekend, but he's, I think he played better in that offense right now than what I'm seeing from Cade. If I'm being honest, I wouldn't worry about him making any throw to any part of the field. So yeah, I think if DJ was still on that team. They'd still be at least competing for a playoff spot. I'm not quite getting there, but that is, um, I, I almost wrote a bold prediction in my, in my article this year that DJU has the best season of his career by far. And I was like, ah, it's kind of hard to quantify looks, that. I don't know if it's, it's bold enough. Happen. I, th- I think it's going to happen. I'm 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 actually pretty sure at this point. But um, let's talk about his let's talk about his teammate here. Yeah. Um, and I think of all the players we're going to talk about here, I think this one is still is like the most like unknown. Could kind of go either way. Um, but Shipley so far this season, 
Um, cumulative rush yards over expected if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, he is negative uh, negative twenty three point three rush yards over expected. Um, there are times where he looks pretty solid, and then other times where I think if you can kind of get into the if there's that initial penetration he kind of has to make a decision quickly i think yeah. that's where he really really struggles right now um he's really not been effective on the ground he's been uh pretty useful as a receiver but hasn't been um picking up a ton of yardage after the catch i think we kind of i had him at like rb23 entering the season i think i have him at like 22 now that feel not in the class like overall in college that felt like a pretty good range for him so i don't want to I, I don't know if we were right or wrong so far matt what what do you think on shipley i mean i don't i think that we were right it's not like we dropped him down and like tanked his value we just said that we didn't think he deserved to be because he was still going and like was around two of startups and everything and we were kind of saying like that at least for me i felt like it was too high for a player that we just weren't sure on i mean you mentioned him having to make a decision I still don't think he's very good at making defenders miss in the open field at all, which I kind of expect from him. You mentioned he's, you know, been fine catching the ball, but not a ton of yak after the fact. Averaging 5.4 yards a carry, just 292 yards. And some of that I do think is the offensive line. If you want to give, if we want to give Kate a little bit of a pass, we do have to give Will Shipley a little bit of pass there as well. But like he just hasn't looked impressive to me at all. I'm going to be honest, a lot of this class has. And I mean, I think Travion looked a little bit better in this Notre Dame game than what we had seen earlier. But like Braylon Allen to me hasn't been super impressive. We're about to talk about another running back that there was a little battle in the company about who was going to be right about this guy and where he was getting ranked by some people. Like, I just think this running back class is bad. So maybe Will Shipley ends up getting buoyed up because of that. But like, he just hasn't been impressive. And my big fear is going to be what we just talked about with Kate as well. Like maybe he makes a small step forward because it's another year in Garrett Riley's offense next year. So they, they figure out a way to use them better, but I don't know how this offensive line gets any better by next year. So if it doesn't, I just don't see how he's going to be any better. And I just have questions about his vision, decision-making his wiggle. Like it, he's a great receiving back and he has moments of brilliance rushing the ball, but it's not enough. For me. He's not consistent. I want to, pivot to our last guy here that we're going to revisit and that's trey benson running back at florida state um i have a couple of stats that i either pulled from pff or from campuscanton.com uh, quite frankly we have a lot of statistical information on there but i also want to cite an article that was released today by noah hills at noah more parties um and i'm not obviously going to like read an article out here yeah he works really hard and, and his stuff is behind a paywall but i'm going to give you just kind of a taste of what he wrote this week uh on trey benson by the way a uh, a person that i definitely recommend following and subscribing yeah. to um, uh, his site if you haven't already. Uh, but here's Trey Benson. So far this season, he's got 40 rush attempts through four games. We thought he could be a bell cow there. Averaging 4.7 yards per carry. And outside of the Southern Miss game where he averaged 8.8 .8, uh, yards per carry against LSU, 3.9. Against Boston College, 3.2. This past weekend against Clemson, 3.6. Four touchdowns, but again, three of them there in that Southern Miss game. Uh, his rush yards, cumulative rush yards over expected, negative uh, 50.7. Like, so I mean, he's gotten 50 yards less than you would yeah. expect him to get based on uh, situationally 
uh, what was happening uh, on each of his carries. And then Noah wrote this this week. He had just has a big heading that says Trey Benson is not RB1. And I guess that was a um, underground movement this offseason that I, I apparently missed. Um, but uh, he, here's what he wrote. He wrote a bunch of different facts, but here are just a few of them. The Seminoles offensive line is rated by PFF as among the nation's 35 best run blocking units and is the 23rd best among major conference programs. Yet Trey Benson is averaging just 3.55 yards per carry on 31 attempts in three games against Power 5 opposition. Florida State's other running backs, Rodney Hill and Lawrence Toafili, are averaging a collective 4.14 yards per carry on 28 attempts in those same games. Across all games, Benson's seasonal marks in Bay rating, which is uh, Noah's box-adjusted efficiency rating, and he defines that as the degree to which a running back's per carry output exceeds or falls short of the collective per carry output of other running backs on his team relative to the defensive fronts they carry the ball against. So basically comparing how stacked was the box, how are your teammates doing in those same situations? That's what he yeah. calls his Bay rating. His seasonal marks in Bay rating and RSR, which is just basically the same thing, but success rate are each lower than the career marks for every running back drafted <laughs> since the metrics became available back in 2018. Yeah. Benson is forcing just 0.2 missed tackles and averaging only 3.3 yards after contact per attempt. So far this season, uh, significantly below his 0.51 and 4.53 marks last season, respectively. And then he goes on to say, basically, Benson has been a non-factor this season. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. I mean... I'm going to, I know this is going to sound like I'm picking and choosing here, but maybe we should have looked harder at what he did last year and who he did it against. Because if you really go and dive in, I'm not going to disagree that he, he had a very good year last year. I mean, 994 rushing yards on a team that I don't think many people expected to be that good. 698 yards after contact. What did he have? Like 79 missed force tackles, which 20 of those came against his, Duquesne, Duquesne, I forgot how, how you actually say it. I know that's a that's a big thing for the company here. But when you go and look at the teams, we, you know, we were just talking about Malik Neighbors, and we want to see him play better competition. Okay, so when he actually played good competition last year, here were his stats. Six attempts for 15 yards against LSU. NC State, seven attempts for 27 yards. Clemson, seven attempts for 69 yards. The best one right there. Because Oklahoma, 13 attempts for 25 yards. Like, those are all the top defenses that he played last year. Not only one of those was over 50 yards, the Clemson game. When you go and look at the other game, against Florida, was a horrible team last year, 111 yards. Syracuse, 163 yards. Miami, 130 yards. Georgia Tech, 111. Duquesne. Duquesne, whatever, 105 yards. Like you go look at these te- these games where he was not playing good competition. He racked up these misforced tackles, 10, 11, 12, 18. And when he actually goes in and actually plays decent competition, competition we are expecting him to play in the NFL and kind of what they've played early on. Florida State's had a pretty good schedule to start off the season. He struggled maybe we should have paid attention to that a little bit more. I know there were some of us that were not that high on him. I think he's, I don't think he's as bad as the stats that he is. Like he's not 
I, I almost read that when you read that to me. He's like, he's not worth drafting if every running back that's ever been drafted, and he's below that. He's going to get drafted. I don't think he's a day two guy right now, and I don't know that he gains that value back. He has not looked good, and he's not the workhorse that he was billed to be. He clearly isn't. Yeah, I think there's some real vision issues there, and we talked about that a lot this offseason. Um, that's partially why I think his missed tackles force number is so high because he would run into contact and traffic and then into his credit find a way out of it a lot um kind of like uh our guy javante williams did a few years ago but to a much uh scarier degree i think and i will say in fairness you know he's doing worse in, in all these metrics as noah mentioned uh, it, it's also then fair to mention that last year he had uh 0.51 missed tackles per attempt so half a missed tackle every rushing attempt last year and as Noah says, a mark that would smash the career numbers of every running back drafted in the PFF era. So great performance last year. I think fair to wonder at this point if it was sustainable or not. Um, and granted, I don't think the running backs on the team are bad with him. But I don't know that any of us, maybe, you know, maybe this is our bad. I don't know that any of us think of Lawrence Toafili or Rodney Hill right now as third round draft picks. No. You know? Maybe, maybe it's possible, but I don't think we think that right now. So um, I think that one, uh, I've actually dropped him quite a bit. And I think, you know, this offseason, if you had asked somebody, Trey Benson or Devin Neal, I think most people would have told you Trey Benson. Yeah. Um, and I, I had them in the same tier, two spots apart. I had uh, Neal uh, 17, Benson 19. And now I don't think you could trade. I think you'd have to give Benson plus for Neal, right? I would think so with the way that Neil's been playing. I was trying to pull up my rankings to see where I had them. If I got talked into the, I did not. I had Devin Neal at 14, Trey Benson at 16. So there we go. Two spots apart. Yeah. I think that was a, probably a fair range for both of those guys. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. I do. I, like you said, I expect Benson to uh, pick it up a little bit, Yeah. but um, definitely concerning. And again, uh, if you guys aren't following uh, Noah Hills and checking in on yeah. his uh, running back stuff every week, really, 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 really really good content. So thank you, Noah. Shout out uh, to you. Noamoreparties.com. Um, all right. That's quick housekeeping here, Matt. Tailgate, better sports, 10 a.m. Eastern, every Saturday morning. We have two hours of betting, start, sit, live, um, pri prize picks, content for the day. Uh, hop on there with us. Uh, we respond to pretty much everything that comes into the live chat within reason. Um, it's the disclaimer I give my wife when I say we can go anywhere to eat. Um, we respond to anything within reason. So hop on there with us, 10 a.m. Eastern. Colin's driving the ship this weekend, actually. So if you're just, you know, got morbid curiosity and you like watching a, you know, a car wreck as you drive by, it could, yeah, it could be what it is with Colin driving. So the stop on there, Felix has tasked us with getting to 2,000 YouTube subscribers by the end of the season. If we don't, I don't, I don't want to know what happens. Do you? I think he said he's going to sell my shares, anyways. I think that was what the <laughs> what was going to happen. So. Oh man. Okay. Well, there you go. You can buy a piece of C2C if we don't get there. Um, and like this video guys, like it up, subscribe, uh, to the YouTube channel here and, uh, drop something in the chat. Let us know, uh, if you're enjoying what you're talking, what we're talking about here tonight. Um, let's talk about some freshmen, freshmen that maybe we should be a little worried about, which sounds crazy because we're only four weeks into their freshman season. There's a long road to go before these guys, uh, start getting some serious look from the NFL, but it's never too early for us because as fantasy managers, we're always juggling, you know, what, what are you doing now for me? And what can you do later? 
so I want to ask you, Matt, for a couple of names, some guys maybe that you, through four weeks, are concerned about based on what we've seen or haven't seen, quite frankly. Uh, so my first one might be a little bit jumping the shark here. I, I disagree I with your first one, yeah. So this, okay. this would be interesting. I am a little bit worried about Cameron Selden. I really thought we were going to see a little bit more of him. I don't think Tennessee has, has been necessarily good. Most of his stuff has come on kick returns and punt returns, which I guess you could then argue is a good thing because at least he's getting on the field. But he's only had three – I'm sorry, six snaps in the backfield. I mean, I don't think there's anything special about Dylan Sampson, who is currently the running back three. But the thing is, I don't think that he goes anywhere next year. Now, granted, they are using Jalen Wright and Jabari Small fairly – like equally 45 and 42 carries. So maybe Dylan Sampson and Cameron Selden end up being those two next year. But I just worry a little bit. Maybe I had too high a hopes for him. I had him ranked fairly high. I thought after what we saw in the spring game and what we heard all through spring and in the fall camp that we were going to get a chance to see him early on. We just haven't. He's been stuck on, on special teams. Maybe that's a good sign for me. I feel like because his name value holds so much, I would honestly kind of move him, but. Have I have to push back on this one? Go ahead. Because I think a guy like Cam Selden, who we talked about a lot this offseason, you know, was he going to actually play wide receiver? That's kind of what he played in high school, but he's this, you know, 100th percentile athlete essentially in our database. What did our, our thing comp to Herschel Walker? I think, yeah, was it was the, a lot of really the, the comparison yes. that it spit out in terms of just the pure athletic upside. But we also talked about him a lot as a project. So I can't advocate really moving him at all through four weeks for Tennessee when they have a pretty competent running back room in front of him. I think a lot of those guys are like at least solid uh, SEC running backs for a guy that has gotten three carries on the year, five yards, no touchdowns. Yeah. I, I think for a guy like him, you're betting on the athletic upside and just hoping that, within the next three years, he kind of figures it out. And the nice thing with running back is we don't need early production out of running back. The, the, the hashtag nerds tell us that just best season is the one that really, really matters. So I think if we can start getting over the next couple of years here, you know, Jabari small leaves, uh, Dylan Sampson and Sampson's not very old. He'll probably be there a while. Um, uh, they, they have another guy there too, who's uh, Jalen Wright. You can start getting some of those guys out of here and, and start uh, getting Selden a little bit of a bigger role. Uh, I am, and they lost. They were in a big recruiting battle for somebody, and they lost to Texas next year at running back. I don't I, remember. I, I don't remember either. Right. But so, like, I don't know that they're going to have like hashtag the guy come in next year yeah. either. So I, I'm 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 not going to agree with you on this, Cameron. I might agree with you on a different Cameron. Anybody else? Yeah, Anybody I'm else? sure you would. I'm sure you would. Only thing I'll say on that, my, my rebuttal to that is, I don't think Cameron Selden for most people has lost value in the C2C community because of where we had him ranked. And it's what you just said that worries me, though, is you're betting on the upside. He is was very raw coming out of high school. 
I, I could end up being very, very wrong on him. Like I said, it's not even just Herschel Walker. There was like four of the six names, and they were all like incredible running backs. He's he's got a Gale Sayers big, popped up yeah, too. It's it's an impressive list. I'm not gonna dispute that. I'm just a little bit worried about it, but I get if you want to hold on to him because as you mentioned, like if he hits his upside, it's it's gonna be a massive win for you. The other one's gonna be my guy Cameron Cook. I mean, Trey Sanders has been Dog poop, in my opinion. He has not been good enough. Now, Imani Bailey, Imani Bailey has been better than I thought he was going to be. I really thought it was going to be a chance of being like Sanders and Cook. I thought Cook could jump Imani Bailey, but he's been a lot better. But, I mean, for Corey Wren, who I don't think is very good at all, Savion Williams, Trent Battle, Major Everhart, Jalen Robinson, Jack Beck, JoJo Earl, John Paul Richardson, all wide receivers, by the way, have more carries on the season than Cameron Cook. Now, I know there was only two people at the company pumping him up. It was a two-mat, so maybe he wasn't going that high. And I don't worry about running backs being near one zeros as much as I do, obviously, wide receivers, because we've seen sometimes these running backs and come on, just have one amazing year. Kenneth Walker, Michigan State, been pretty good in the NFL as well. But it worries me a little bit that like he can't even jump a guy like Corey Wren. Now, maybe that's because he didn't make it into spring camp and he only went into late into fall. But I am a little bit worried about him just to get the one carry like tonight. And I mean, not even special teams work like he's gotten three snaps at the position and it's been one carry for two yards. It's just not. And I'm going to be honest, TCU's offense, just team in general looks horrible. So I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little worried about my boy Cameron Cook. Yeah, real quick. William in the chat said Peyton Lewis is their big guy they got next year. He's a top 15 guy in the composite. Just for what it's worth, our rankings have him as the RB39 in the class. We are a little lower on Peyton Lewis, and I did double-check that uh, just just to make sure that I had that correct. Um, so, you know, could could come in and challenge him, certainly, um, but not a guy that we are necessarily worried about at this stage. Um, Cameron Cook, again, I think it's a guy, you know, you want to point to a player that I think is kind of similar. Um, uh, Demont Claiborne mm -hmm. at Wake Forest, I think, could be an encouraging uh, kind of story path there for Cook. Claiborne came in last year like 180, uh, basically didn't really play at all this year, allegedly is a close to 200. I'm not sure I believe that, but he's definitely bulked uh, and has been really, really good. And I think probably uh, even if he's kind of a scat back in the NFL, probably has an NFL future. So uh, I don't want to crush Cook too much for what it's worth. I just never... I know you and I differ on this a little bit. I just never really rate the tiny guys coming out of high school. It's just so hard to to kind of project moving forward. Um, so I, I wouldn't freak out too much yet, especially like you said, if if maybe we lose Bailey and Sanders after this offseason. Because um, I think Bailey got a shout out from Senior Bowl this week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, there he's on their radar. Uh, I don't know if Sanders is at this point. Maybe it could be a, I don't know, a Hula Bowl or a, a Shrine Bowl yeah, or Shrine Bowl. There we go. Whatever yeah, other go. bowl. They have cereal bowl. West, I don't know what else is out there. East West but, Shrine game, right? Something yeah, like that. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to worry too much about Cook. I, I think I do want to worry about his teammate though. Yeah, I am. I am hitting the panic button on Cordell Russell, and I'm, I'm the trying eject to get button. I'm hitting yeah, the eject. Like, boom! I flew out. I am doing everything I can to use him as like a throw-in piece if I have to to upgrade somewhere. The fact that. He is not even, what has he got? One target. Now he's had, I think, um, I was going to pull back up, 24 total snaps and all of them at wide receiver. Uh, so none of that comes from special teams. He's had 10 in the slot and, and 14 out wide. 
put one tar- I mean, DJ Allen has more targets on the season than Cordell Russell does. Like, wow. that's oh, We were just a year early. I know. We were just a year early. I've realized I am no longer paying attention to TCU wide receivers, not only going into the NFL, but when they recruit them as well. Like, it's just a complete shit show. It, it, it's not working. I, You know, we... I, we were all a little bit worried about this offense, I, but I, we believed so much in his athletic upside that I thought he would not be a year one zero. I find it very hard to believe how he's not at this point. Is I don't know if TCU even makes a bowl game, but if they do, I don't know that guys like Trent Battle and JoJo Earl are not going and playing in the bowl game. They probably have to, especially if JoJo Earl is going to try and make it to the NFL after this year, or if he's coming back to TCU, which means Russell doesn't even possibly get that game of full snaps to try and break just one year one zero uh, category. So I, I think he's almost a lot to get in there. And um, if I can get out on him, I am as quick as possible. The 24 snaps is even a little, um, um, kind of misleading because 17 of those came against nickels yeah. nickel state or whatever Nick, yeah. whatever it is um he got seven last week six in the slot one out wide uh, i think it's interesting that they are that they played him so much in the slot last game and i i didn't watch last tcu game so i don't maybe somebody went down and that was just kind of like the, the the only guy they had to stick in there i i don't really know i don't think any of us think he's a slot guy no I think, you know, uh, we 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 talked about Russell and I think we had him out I think as a group just outside our top 10 in the class and I think one of the things that we said was, you know, this is a boomer bust, you know, above the rim basketball guy who uh wasn't really very productive in high school until his senior year so kind of came on a little bit late um down there. Uh, I believe he's from is he from, he's from Texas, I believe. Yes, he is. Yeah. Um so I think, you know, th- there were some warning signs and I think we were pretty open about them and saying, you know, this is kind of an upside play. You know, you're, you're kind of banking on him, figuring it out, but it's really funny. Felix found some, some practice clips of him, I think from the spring. Mm -hmm. And it looks like a guy who was a basketball player. Who's never really played football before. And they put him out there and told him, go, go play wide receiver. Yeah. In terms of his ability out of breaks, I think is really not very good. And they were showing his his catching technique, and it was wild. It was wild. So I uh, Alfred doesn't listen to any of the shows, so I can say this. Alfred loves Cordell Russell. I'm trying to trade Cordell <laughs> to Alfred in like the only league I have him in, uh, the program where I, I just like recruited him last year, and now I'm trying to get rid of him. So um, I'll, I'll let you guys know how that how that uh, worked out. Uh, if I can get Alfred to respond to a freaking text, um, we'll, we'll see if he's gone uh, by next week. How about your guy Brandon Innes? Are we worried about Brandon Ennis a little bit? I know he wasn't an early enrollee, and I know I don't have the numbers in front of me, um, but I know big wide receiver guys pulled that info in the past, and there's like basically no correlation between uh, being an early enrollee and uh, you know breaking out early in your career. But I do think it kind of matters at a place like Ohio State where the room is just so full that you know first guy there kind of gets the first shake at it, and that sounds like that first guy might be Carnell Tate who is close to a, several of the year one zero thresholds. Tate or uh, Ennis uh, has a handful of snaps, uh, wide receiver snaps on the year. He does have a couple more uh, kick, punt, return, coverage um, snaps overall. I, I mean, I, I'm very worried. I actually used him in a deal this week to get Jamari Thrash uh, in a C2C league. Um, 
I, I, where, where are we at here, Matt? You're the kind of Ohio State's uh, fan, but also, you know, you, you kind of have an understanding of what's going on there. Yeah, I think you have to be terrified. I mean, you mentioned the the difference. There, there's a massive difference between the two, for starters. Brandon Ennis has only gotten 23 snaps on the season. Most of them have actually come on special teams. Carnell Tate has 73. and In fact, he's doubled up his snaps with 48 just being in the slot. like Or, I'm sorry, out wide. He's had 48 snaps out wide, Carnell Tate has, compared to the 23 that Ennis has had um, overall. So I think you have to be worried about him. It, you know, we, we, we talked a lot about it in the year with none of us think Xavier Johnson is like a, an incredibly good wide receiver, but he's a dude who does everything. We saw he made a big play in that Notre Dame game. He made, was making big plays in the Georgia game last year. Like the coaching staff, trust him. Julian Fleming, as long as he's healthy, is going to be on the field and they're not taking Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka off. Because Carnell Tate has come in and been that second guy there behind Marvin Harrison, like where Brandon Ennis is going to come in is where where usually Mecca is, but they're not pulling Mecca out. And when they're moving him around, they're putting Xavier Johnson in the slot, which I was not expecting. So I think you have to be worried about it. The only way I think he breaks that is if somehow Ohio State doesn't make the playoff because Mecca and Marvin are both, they're not playing in a bowl game. They're both going to go to the NFL. And then you hope that he has like that JSN or uh, Mar was it Marvin? Yeah. Marvin Harrison Mm -hmm. Jr. Bowl game. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to hope that he has one of those games with maybe even Devin Brown. Cause I don't know if Kyle McCord stays like it's a, this it, the team is just in a really weird spot, and I just would be very surprised if if Ennis gets any real run. Maybe when they start moving later into the season. I mean, they've got. I'm trying to remember who they have. I think they have Maryland coming up next week. So I don't think they play this week. They don't have anybody. Like your only game is you're hoping maybe he gets in is Rutgers in Minnesota if they decide to sit a Mecca or Marvin Harrison in the second half, if they've, they've run up the score, but let's be honest. What about the offense that you've watched the past four weeks tells you that they're going to run up the score on any of these guys. I and mean, don't take the Western Kentucky game. It's a little bit different. I mean, they only could put 35 on Youngstown state Youngstown state. I don't know that he gets any run unless they get to a bowl game. And I personally biased included think they're going to beat Michigan this year, which means they're going to get to the playoffs. So I don't know how he does it. Fear the Penguins, Matt. We got two questions in the chat, and I do want to get to both of them here in a second. But I do think um, some may point or want to point to that Marvin Harrison freshman year where he had the big bowl game as kind of the um, you know indication that we should wait a little bit on Brandon Ennis. And here's why I think I disagree with that. Um, Harrison was actually getting a fair amount of snaps his true freshman year, even if he wasn't necessarily producing a ton through uh the regular season essentially here were his snaps by game 13 at at wide receiver almost exclusively for the record 13 7 14 25 24 30 34 7 46 17 47 and 9 that's a lot more snaps than you know one or two here one or two there um he he uh actually had 50 or 60 yards going into that game uh that bowl game in the first place so uh, I think it's a tough comparison overall and not one that necessarily translate. Nate, uh, CFF Nate, Nate Marquise in the chat says, well, Harrison sit some now based on the injury. Matt, have you heard anything on that? They got the bye this week, so he does get to yeah. rest it a little bit. 
Uh, I haven't. Let me see. Actually, I got a text earlier today, but I wasn't really paying attention, if I'm being honest. Um, where is it at? So he was out today with a brace on under his sock on his right ankle, wasn't walking with a noticeable limp or anything, and was running catching passes from the jugs machine. So I would assume he's going to be fine. If he wasn't walking with a limp and had a brace on his ankle, I don't think there's any way he sits. I know a lot of people want to read into what happened with JSN and say that he was like faking his injury. Like Harrison's not sitting until they lose a game. Then maybe he sits. I don't think the, the next game's going to be in a couple weeks when they get Penn state. Like that's going to be their next chance to possibly lose. And I think he's going to play. So. All right. And there we go. And then Santi said, are you taking trades quite trade questions? I mean, we usually don't, but if you drop one in here and it's relevant to what we're talking about, we can, uh, we can maybe assist Santi. So go ahead. Uh, let us know. William says that insider info. Matt, Matt's the OSU insider, boys. You can't you get the quarterback out. position right. Well, it took me three years, but you know, most you the get the information. You just like refuse to believe it. You're just such a, a believer in 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 McCord that you know anything else was was sacrilege. Um, while we're waiting for Santi to drop his his trade question in here, I do want to ask you about Jurion Dickey as well, who's kind of the other high profile guy. And I think you know Sam, Shelton Sampson at LSU probably falls in this category, but we as a group did not have Samson in that tier player. We were yeah. a little bit lower on him. Not, you know, we didn't hate him, but um, it wasn't our favorite Dickey. Um, so far this season, Oregon has played what? Three blowouts essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And Dickey has gotten a grand total of 16, 11. I'm sorry. 11, 11 yeah. snaps. Oh, yeah. Uh, eight in week one and three in week three. Didn't get in the game last weekend. Um, we talked, we did talk a little bit, you know, I think the injury that he had this off season could be hampering a little bit in terms of just lack of reps in practice. Um, and there, I think at Oregon and people, I, I think don't necessarily realize this, just how many wide receivers they have there that are like competent. Yeah. They're not great players by any stretch, but we did caution, you know, you got guys like Treshawn Holden there, who's probably competent, Chris Hudson. Um, they like Kyler Casper for whatever reason. Um, plus, you've got Tez Johnson, Gary Bryant, um, yeah. and and uh, and Franklin, who we talked a little about earlier. So that was, you know, you, you were hoping maybe some situational stuff to start off. He's not even getting that. I, I'm pretty worried about him. Uh, and quite frankly, I think with that, the loaded Pac-12 this year, you know, once they start getting to the heart of this Pac-12 schedule, I don't know how many blowouts they're going to be coming coming forward here. Yeah, I, I would say he's probably sitting right there with Russell as like a locked-in year 1-0. The last chance he probably has is this week against Stanford, maybe Cal or Arizona State in a couple weeks, but I guess it the Arizona State one might be the interesting one because at that point we'll know if Oregon's going to be making it to the playoffs. We'll have played Washington and USC. So maybe you have a couple wide receivers who maybe Troy Franklin at that point sitting. I don't know that he would, but I mean, you're talking about even if Oregon were to make a really good bowl game, maybe that's his opportunity because I don't – Bo Nix is – I mean, he said it last year. He's going to play in a bowl game even if it's not the playoffs. I believe he will probably play in the bowl game if Oregon makes it to one. So at least he'll have that. You're not getting – like throwing Ty Thompson or Austin Novosad out there in the bowl game to hope. 
but I just don't see it. I mean, I think what really killed him was the late transfer of Gary Bryant Jr. I mean, we've already, we talked about Tess Johnson. You mentioned Trayshawn Holden. Like, I don't even know who Darian Anderson is, and he's gotten more targets than Darion Dickey. Like, the fact that Dickey hasn't even really gotten a target yet in games where Oregon won 42 to 6, 55 to 10, and 81 to 81. That's the to big one. That's the big one. Portland State, and he couldn't even get on the field. Or did he even get on the field? No. Yeah, he, he did. Okay, he was on against the field. Portland. He played eight snaps. Yeah. Couldn't register a catch. Like, that's that's where I'm worried. I'm more worried about him than I am Russell, because at least Russell's gotten double digits, like 24. I just, I, I think he's a lock. He's a lock to be a year one zero, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to really learn yeah. from that you know, situation, you know, process wise and, and all that jazz. Um, and again, we're not like, there, there is certainly a chance that he does it, but we're trying to be a little more pragmatic here. We're trying to tell you guys, you know, if you have somebody like Jerry and Dickey and you can get rid of them for uh, value essentially commensurate to what you paid for him, then I think um, not a bad strategy. We've talked a lot about that this week on, on a couple of different shows, uh, how exactly to kind of trade away some of these guys before it's too late. Um, so I definitely recommend, uh, checking out campus life this week and, and, uh, on the collective podcast, I talked about it too. Um, Santi did get his question, uh, to us and he says, uh, first time commenting. So thanks for, for hopping in here, Santi. We don't bite. You can come back again and comment some more. Uh, usually don't bite. Um, Santi asked out in a C2C league, he's going to give away Jameer Gibbs. And he's going to get JJ McCarthy, Jeremiah Love, London Humphreys, the, uh, uh, freshman wide receiver at Vanderbilt and Creed Whitmore. Um, so one of my big rules of trading in C2C league, Santi personally, is that I don't trade, uh, NFL, uh, high in NFL assets for college players only. Um, so this would be a, a pretty big no for me. If you, if you were looking to get rid of Gibbs, uh, maybe a, a slightly lesser NFL running back and then Jeremiah love would be a nice, would be a nice trade. Um, but, but definitely not enough, uh, for me personally. Uh, I really, I mean, I guess, you know, if JJ McCarthy goes top 10, maybe it looks like a, a decent trade uh, and he certainly could, but uh, I think we're not uh, McCarthy haters here, but we're not McCarthy lovers either. Uh, you know, you can speak <laughs> for yourself on that. Uh, Matt's like, if I can't I, say anything nice. <laughs> I, I agree with Austin. Unless your running back room is just loaded on the NFL side, I, I wouldn't personally do that. And I mean, if you come back and you're like, well, I've got, Bre well, I was going to say Brees Hall, Nick Chubb, and Nick Chubb's out for the season, that's not going to help much. But if you're, if you've got like four guys that you're easily starting every single week over Jameer Gibbs, I don't hate it, but I do agree with Austin. I'm not typically trading a guy like that uh, just for a bunch of college pieces. I, I mean, I don't know that especially any unproven are, college pieces. That, yeah, that's like the tough part. Yeah, the best one to at least for me is probably Jeremiah Love because I don't think JJ McCarthy is going to be a first round quarterback personally. So, I mean, the problem is with McCarthy is you can't really play him like for college fantasy either. So it's not like you would at least get some uh, immediate value even if the future stuff doesn't work out. Yeah, I think that's um, that that's not one that I would do personally. All right, Matt, I do want to ask you, uh, let, let's skip who should we be buying. We can talk about that next week, Matt. I just want to ask you real quick for a week five prove-it game or, or performance uh, from across college football. Um, we're really starting to get into the you know put up or shut up time of the year here where uh, we can start drawing some, some conclusions from a slightly growing um, uh, uh, data set here. So Matt, any uh, games or, or, you know, opportunities stick out to you as a, a one for a player that they really need to uh, kind of get it together. I mean, 
If I'm you gonna, say Shadur, I'm kicking you off the show, by the way. No, so. I thought about going the other route and be like, speaking of that Colorado game, no, there's no nothing. Like Caleb's proved everything. There's not, you know. Although I think it's getting closer between him and Jackson Dart now. I know you're not here, Chris Moxley, but have you seen? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm going to rely on uh, on Old Faithful here. Actually, Jackson Dart actually has a really big game this weekend against LSU. That could really be a put-up or shut-up kind of moment for him. Uh, but for me, it's going to go back to um, it, it, it's Quinn Ewers. Massive game for him against Texas this week. He's been up and down. I actually think he played fairly well last week for the most part. If he can go out there and put up a good game against Kansas, I think he's going to start putting himself more firmly into that QB3 conversation. But he has got to be more consistent, and I want to see what he can do against uh, this Kansas team. I imagine it's going to be – I think it's on – what is it? It's on ABC afternoon game, both teams 4-0. I'm almost positive. Did they lose to Kansas or was it Kansas State last year? I can't remember. I think it was Kansas State. But the Kansas game was very close last year. Like Quinn – I know, JJ, he's been, yeah, not great, but it's a massive game for him, and I think he's got to go out there and, and, and put up a show. He ain't playing Alabama, so he, he's got to do something. Yeah, th- those are some good ones. Uh, I'll toss out two names as well. I think um, this player has not been bad this year, but I think another good performance against Notre Dame would be huge for him, and that's um, uh, Riley Leonard. Wow, that name just went right out the back of my head. Uh, Duke quarterback uh, taking on Notre Dame here. Um, it's really funny. I did a huge piece on the 2024 eligible quarterbacks this week, again, for the NIL members on the podcast and Leonard's passing profile is actually not very good. Like really, really not very good in comparison to all the other quarterbacks that are kind of eligible for this class. Um, the rushing profile is pretty nice. Um, but the, the passing one is not very good. So we need to start seeing some, and even against Clemson, like it wasn't really his arm that got them through that game. He really had that long touchdown run yeah. and not a lot else. So I think a good passing performance here against Notre Dame, um, who's uh, pretty solid all around when they got 11 guys on the field, I think would be uh, uh, telling there for him. Uh, and then I actually want to toss out, and, and I don't know if Nate's still in the chat here. Maybe he can pipe in. What the hell's going on with Jaleel Farouk this year? We thought he would, you know, by, by far kind of the lead receiver there at Oklahoma. And so far this season, you know, I know they've had a couple of kind of blowout performances, so maybe that hurts them a little bit. But um, not, 17 targets through four games, 10 catches, 204 yards, two touchdowns. Like, hasn't really been kind of that underneath demon that we thought it could be. Granted, he's working a little further downfield. So, you know, that, that actually is kind of encouraging. But I'm just not exactly sure what's going on there. And Barnabas says, research shows that running ability only increases longevity for quarterbacks, but doesn't increase draft stock so and i actually think with rushing quarterbacks being less of a novelty than they were a few years ago nfl teams are less inclined to take one early just based off the rushing ability you can find those guys all over the place now but that is just a uh, kind of anecdotal uh conclusion that i've come to so two two names there to, to throw out that i think uh need need to start putting some performances together if they want to be uh legitimate draft prospects after this year so. Yeah, I like the I like the Riley Leonard call. I mean, you talked about the the stuff that you looked at. Go Moxley wrote a, a great article about him and yeah. the questions about his passing game even last year um, up on the site before the season even started, and then kind of mentioned that he feels like a lot of that was actually the offensive coordinator, not necessarily Riley Leonard. It's going to be interesting. There was a lot of talk about him 
coming into the season as being a hyped up guy. I don't know if it was like to battle for QB three, but probably a top five guy. I mean, he's having a good season. If he's able to go out there and put up a good game against Notre Dame, I imagine that will help his draft stock some, but for sure. For sure. He's not All right. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for tonight's show guys. Apologies to Kirk Herb street. We could not get him scheduled, but we'll get him back on here soon. Uh, we'll be back next week and make sure you're checking out everything else over at campusdecant.com and on the podcast feed here until next time guys uh that's matt i'm austin good night and good luck